0: It's your boy Fred from What's Happening. I'm just seeing if you checked out Patreon yet. Add free podcasts, full video episodes, unedited content, exclusive merchandise discounts, early access to merchandise, vote, partake in community polls, and inspired content. Access private chat and minimum one bonus episode. What you waiting for? Tap in on Patreon. welcome back to what's happening this is the third episode of our women making history series and i am here with shaton dennis how are you this I'm evening
1: well it's pronounced Denis. if you point to your knee the knee but the it's, d in front of is the it, it's french it is it is <laughs> oh
0: I, forgive me forgive me That's okay. Hey. I told you it's freestyle.
1: <laughs> I usually tell people. I usually say Dennis, like when I'm conducting business. Uh huh. and I just say Shaitan Dennis because people with one end, I'll say Shaitan Dennis with one end. But for personal connections, I tell people, "Put your touch your knee." <laughs> 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 in front of it, the knee.
0: Is it? Is it? Are there any roots to? And this is going to be. Such a silly question if the answer is no. Are there any routes to uh, New Orleans?
1: No, my husband's um, um, father was Haitian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good to know. So I'm a nerd.
0: And the reason I ask is because, um, and people are going to laugh at me, but it is what it is. Uh, there's a video game. Uh, Read Red that Redemption Two, and it's this big open world game. And there's a a, a state that you go in called Saint Denis, and it's there, um, mm-hmm. it's their interpretation of New Orleans from like the late 1800s, early 1900s. So, I was okay. wondering if they, if I was wondering if it was connected somehow. I mean, mm-hmm. and it it probably there may be a, a connection right. of that name to New Orleans in real life, just not for you.
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine because you have. You've, you had a population of French-speaking people yes. uh, who migrated to New Orleans. So some of them, you know, may have, you know, been Haitian. Yeah. I imagine so. Actually, because wasn't you know, Haiti? Many were everywhere.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, right. another, we that's, a, <laughs> that's a history lesson for another episode at another time. Right, but
1: right. We digress.
0: Right, I brought you on. You know, I, I I know that you and you and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, you were a guest on the unapodig- yeah, unapologetically black, never broken, always empowered, the longest podcast name in the world. That's my little joke to uh to tease my friends over there. But um, you were on that uh show and and you spoke with Brittany and Brittany knew that we kind of had this thing going on here, and she said, you know what, Brad, this would be a great guest for you, and that's all she said was this will be a great guest for you because she knows I like to go everything without any prior knowledge or as minimal prior knowledge as possible. Um, but me and her are pretty aligned on a lot of things. And if she says you're a great guest, that's, that's kind of all I need to hear from Brittany. I so receive. shout out to that. I
1: appreciate it. Thank you, Brittany.
0: <laughs> so let's just get into it. Tell the people right. just in your own words, who you are, what you've done, we know that you're not from New Orleans, so it's okay. But just tell people who you are, what you've done, and how you've gotten to this point in life where you are now.
1: All right. Ooh, that's a big, a loaded question. Okay, my name is Shatane Denis. I am, um, I live in Dayton, Ohio. I was born and raised here. Uh, I moved away to go to grad school. I moved to Cleveland in 2000, lived in Cleveland for five years to go to uh, Cleveland State it, um, graduate school. And then I got married there and uh, moved, we moved to Atlanta in 2005. Lived in Atlanta for 15 years. While I was there, I started um, a business, a consulting business called Grant Source. And uh, for 15 years, I've been writing grants for nonprofits, um, working with social enterprise organizations, mostly Black people who want to, who think they want to start nonprofits. <laughs> Um, Providing them with business coaching and doing training facilitations for uh, Spelman. I've done uh, trainings for Spelman University, Emory University, um, the big nonprofit folks down in Atlanta. Um, And then in 2018, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, Ended up, uh, had three surgeries that year, um, a double mastectomy, um, and... Couldn't, couldn't really work, couldn't really do much of anything. And so I was grateful for uh, the entrepreneurship in me because I had built an automated, a business that was automated to the point where I really only needed to work five to 10 hours a week in order to uh, make a living for myself. Wow. And so I am on the end of that recovery period. Um, I feel like I'm pretty much 100% back to normal. Um, I am grateful for the experience it um I don't have the typical cancer story you know Um, I thank my cancer because my cancer um allowed me to find myself and discover parts of myself that I was blinded to and so that that was the beginning of well I won't say the beginning it was probably the middle of a major what I would call um a midlife crisis I think I know what that is because I had a whole cycle where my fears and all of my suppressed emotions came to the surface for me to for, for me to deal with. So in that process, um, I uh, had a double mastectomy. I ended up divorcing my husband. Um, we had like maybe a four year two no it was two year separation, um, and we finally um, divorced last year. Uh, 2022, but I was back and forth between Ohio and Atlanta every couple of months, you know, trying to make it work. Um, it was just, it was just an interesting cycle. My, I was in a tornado. We had a, a tornado come through Dayton, Ohio, which they said because we were in a valley, we would never have a tornado. A tornado oh. happened. I was in the house when it happened. I felt like Dorothy. Uh, my mom OD'd on um, fentanyl. You know, you hear those stories about that happening? Yeah. To people? That happened to my mother in 2019. Um, it was just one challenge after another, right? With my health personally, with my relationships, with my family, it was just one thing after another. And so now I can honestly say that I am clear. I am excited to be alive. <laughs> I am grateful for every little thing, you know. Um, and so now that I'm back here in Dayton full time, I never would have thought I would be back in my hometown. Um, it's a population of about maybe 140,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's a small town. Um, I love it because I have now I what I feel like I found my purpose now that I've cleared out all of the the junk that was in there, you know. Um, I'm now clear to live my purpose. And so what I did recently is, and which is what Brittany invited me on her show to talk about, was I launched a directory for Black businesses in Dayton called Shop Black Biz, B-I-Z Dayton. And it is essentially a phone book I don't know what age you are, but we used to have hard copy phone
0: books. (laughs) I'm 36. I'm old enough.
1: (laughs) Uh, So so we have phone books, but we don't have those anymore. And so because I've I've always wanted to work with Black entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. um, this gave me the opportunity to work with them because I realized there's so many Black businesses here, but people don't know that they exist. And so I launched the directory online on Instagram as an Instagram page and then the thing just kind of took off on its own and then around Christmas right around New Year's I was like Black history is coming up I should you know create a campaign I like scavenger hunts and so I was like I'm gonna create a scavenger hunt you know for people to learn about the Black businesses in our community so I created a challenge a a 28-day challenge during Black History Month The more, um, created 28 um, business challenges for people to go to the website. I created a website too. Go to the website um, and the person or people who complete the most challenges, they won a thousand dollars worth in cash prizes. So we had a first, second and a third um, cash prizes. Wow. And I got roughly a dozen raffle prizes donated by the um the businesses that are in the directory wow and so we had a party on february the 28th we announced the winners and so it was a hashtag challenge you know if you shot with a black business capture it on video photo hashtag shop black business they lit the business and you get these entries and so we put all of the names of people who participated we drew and you know just had a party february 28th so We now have about 160 businesses in the directory. And um, unfortunately, I was unable to track. (laughs) I was unable to track the traffic because my um, website host did not track traffic in Ohio, which is unfortunate because I did a whole radio campaign. I had um, been in the newspapers. I was on the morning show here, podcast. Uh, Spectrum gave me a seventy-five hundred dollar grant for TV commercials. Like, wow! Was just, there was just such a broad range of community support that I'm just like, damn! I think this might be my uh, this might have been why I was supposed to come back here, you know? <laughs> so that's where we are, and um, you know, there's there's a group of um, people like me, and there uh, it's a young a young group of brothers that are helping black businesses in Dayton. And so we're partnering together, we're collaborating and we're forming the uh, Dayton Black Business Council. And so we're gonna start raising money, writing grants so that we can we can pay uh, those people like myself who are experienced business owners and their expertise to be able to mentor the folks that are coming behind us. So Woo! that was a lot, right?
0: I love it. <laughs> I love it. But you know, have you ever heard the phrase or the question that says, How do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time.
1: Uh-huh, you never yeah. heard
0: that? Uh-huh. That's yeah, it's a weird thing to say because who would eat an elephant? Right. But right. we're we're gonna go after this one bite at a time. So I I I've taken some notes as I'm listening. And um uh, <laughs> apparently I need some water, so forgive me for yeah. that cough for a second. Right. Um but so number one you said you moved to atlanta in 2005 and that's right in that time frame where so many people migrated to atlanta so many black people in particular migrated to atlanta seemed like from 2004 to like 2010 just so many like, like everybody knows somebody that moved to atlanta if not you moved to atlanta one of the two yeah so what what made you go there
1: the heat I told you <laughs> I lived in Cleveland, and when the weatherman said today is the 44th day that it has snow every day, we were like, every day when we wake up, like, is it snowing again? Oh my god, we gotta get out of here! So, yeah, we said go to Atlanta. It was a you know it was known for having a progressive black community and it was warm. It was relatively affordable then, so yeah, we we packed up and we left. Uh, Atlanta ain't
0: Cleveland. No no offense to Cleveland, but Atlanta ain't uh, Cleveland, ain't Atlanta. That's what uh, I should say.
1: Very different. Very different.
0: Absolutely. So you get there, and it's, that's where you started the grant source at?
1: Yep. I started because I kept getting fired by nonprofits. They just kept firing me or laying me off. And then my husband's like, you know, just start y'all, you know, why don't you start grant writing? Because that's what I would do for them. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it. And I had tried ten other businesses before that that didn't work, and then when he said that, I did that, and it took off. And I'm still doing it to this day. That was 2007. And, and
0: it's so funny that how this is working out is that our last two guests for this series, uh, they're both founders and directors of nonprofits. Oh, really? And and grant writing is a, is a is a big piece to that. So we're accidentally making this flow in like a whole yeah. like whole life thing there um so you, you, there's just so much there you know you said you kept getting fired for various reasons um you said you've also tried other businesses and they just oh, yeah. for one reason or another didn't didn't pan out um what what made you what made you want to continue when things weren't working out because you know a lot of people man let me just go ahead and get this little job I got this degree I got a master's degree let me just go ahead to get a job that's gonna pay me a comfortable salary with some benefits and work there until I can until I die
1: right what, Amy. What, okay Amy
0: let's talk about that
1: Reason the reason I kept getting fired is because I would tell them people you don't own me <laughs> <laughs> I used word slave a couple times. They're like, "Okay, this is not this is not gonna work out." And I'm Ooh. like, You're "Right," but yeah. And just, it,
0: in 2005, a- they were just like, "Oh, she's just abrasive. We can't have this." Yeah, yeah,
1: it was. Yeah, yeah. And my energy is kind of strong. I'm a Taurian, you know. I have bull energy, and so it can be kind of strong sometimes. I'm I'm aware of that now.
0: But um, yeah, I've
1: never been an employee. I've always, <clears throat> I've always worked as a contractor. I might have had three uh, traditional uh, jobs, you know, nine to five jobs. But the rest of my life, I've always worked as a contractor. Mm. Yeah, I just don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> you know, I respect it. it I respect work. it.
0: <laughs> I, I absolutely respect it so you started the um how did it I mean I guess talk about more about grant source and how it how it took off and grew and
1: um I started it I was working at United Way in a contract position I knew it was only going to be for three to six months um And then I just I just hopped around from there. Once I was in the United Way Network, I just kind of hopped around and did other jobs with other nonprofits. And it just kept, you know, once I would get in there and do the job, they wouldn't need me anymore. Mm. And so I ended up going to work for um, a group home that uh, worked with uh, children in foster care. And I did that for almost two years. And that was the woman I told her, you know, like, no, I'm not coming to work on the weekends. You don't own me. And that's that. And so the next day I went to work and she had security waiting on me and they walked me back to my car. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went to work for Jane Fonda's nonprofit. It's called GCAP. And, you know, they recruited me oh we'll let you work from home because we worked about 26 miles from the city which in Atlanta back then was an hour easy Mm. so um, you know I was just getting tired of that drive every day and um, just having very little time to myself and Mm -hmm. so I told them I want to be able to work from home at least one day a week they said okay but it was different once they actually hired me they never allowed me to work from home Mm. and then um, they ended up firing me too (laughs) Mm. And so from there, uh, you know, I was working my business on the weekends. And from there, I just, because it was a wrongful termination, I got unemployment. And then the recession, remember the 2007 recession? Mm -hmm. Congress extended unemployment for an additional six months. So I got unemployment for an entire year. So I would build my unemployment. I would work my business consolidate my hours to one week and I would bill unemployment for three weeks out of the month. And then that extended my unemployment to like a year and a half, which allowed me to just build up my revenue. And from there, I was making more money than I was making working for them non huh. that's
0: That's so interesting because you going back to that point where, what I was just saying a few minutes ago, where I got these degrees. I'm good to go. Let me just go ahead and get a job. You you didn't do that, which meant that when everyone else was in the situation where I mean, listen, 2008 was a hard time. I mean, there was people with, I know a young lady. uh, Number one, I've always I've always believed that the recession actually started in two thousand two, based hmm. on the things that I was seeing around my community. I just hmm. think that it didn't hit the rich people until two thousand eight. That's a yeah. that's a yeah. different discussion. But yeah, right. um, I can I just um everyone I can remember this young lady that I, I worked with, and it was a it was a you know entry level job at a hotel, you know, doing retail basically, and she had a four-year degree and she's working the same job as us because it had gotten so tight at that point that she could not get a job with her degree and you're saying well i got these degrees i got these you know um prerequisites prerequisites or whatever but you were just building your own thing and so while it's while it's collapsing on everybody else you're just able to just keep chugging along
1: and keep doing your thing
0: And, and and I think there's a lesson in that that number one, don't give up on yourself. And right. then number two, you know, I guess that's the same thing. You know, just keep grinding at whatever you're grinding at because right. it's gonna pay off. i just saw this mm-hmm. video. I just saw this video with Deion Sanders where he says, you know, nobody can may not necessarily see what you're doing, but keep working, keep making plays, keep working, keep making mm-hmm. plays. It don't seem like it's working out. And that seems like that's what you
1: did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. It, it, it could have, um, you know, it could have dampened my spirits, but like you say, I've, I've always believed in myself. I, I have three master's degrees because I know how to use the system to my advantage. <laughs> and so when I realized that I couldn't sell weed in my 20s and get by, I said, let me take my ass back to school. <laughs> I have been, I'm an intellectual, you know, so. I I I I told you, I don't like working for people. So, you know, given how many unemployment periods I've had, I was always in school and I was living off my student loans. And I've always said, at some point, when it's time for me to pay those student loans back, I'm going to be good. This is an investment in myself. And um, so that's what I did. And, you know, when it came time for the student loans to be paid back, my student loan payment was gonna be $3,000 a month. Ain't no way. And I said, I I had, and most of it's interest, but I have a half a million dollars in student loans, 400,000 in student loans. So I asked the man, cause I know the system. I know what questions to ask. I said, <clears throat> I could pay this loan. I said, but how can I pay less? And he asked me a series of questions cuz he knew i was self employed. He said, Do you, you own your own business?" Right? I said, "Yes." He said, "Can you get your income to this amount?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> My student loan payment is $11.99. <laughs> wow. For $400,000 in student loans. And it has been it has not been more than $30, 30, $30 a month in the last 7 years. Wow, and they' about to cancel it. They're just doing it in increments, but they' about to cancel these student loans. Mark my words; I'm predicting that. That's my, my oracle voice. I, I just
0: there there's multiple lessons in that. I don't have student loans. I went to college for one semester on a on for free because we were poor. But <laughs> um, so but I empathize with the people that are buried under that student loan debt and. Just knowing, like you said, knowing what questions to ask. To, I mean, a twelve dollar payment, they might as well just leave you alone at that point in the first place, anyway. They but also the fact that, like, that someone could have hundreds of thousands of dollars. A That's a different topic. Let me not go there. It, it, <laughs> let me let me leave that alone. We can, do, we can do a
1: separate. We can do a separate session on uh, how to navigate the student loan. Uh, system (laughs) if you ain't scared of it you can use that thing to your benefit but you can't be afraid of it can't be afraid of it but that i mean i was talking about donald trump earlier today like bankruptcy it was created they like the rich and wealthy people spend billions billions of dollars lobbying to create laws that benefit them and so, Say that bankruptcy thing. is one of those laws. Like Donald is a master at it. Don't be afraid to file for bankruptcy. You got to be brave now. Have a plan. But if it don't work out, file bankruptcy. That's what the system was created to do. But people, oh, I don't want debt. I don't want this debt. If you Warren Buffett will tell you, it's wealthy people don't use their own money. They use other people's money. That is one of the keys to becoming wealthy is you can't be afraid of debt. You can't be afraid of credit because that's how you fund your business ventures. If you want to make big enough, you know, so that's what I have done. That was my intention. I'm funding my business venture with my student loans and I'm buying myself time until my big break comes. And that's where I'm at right now.
0: So you built the grant source, and um, if my timeline is correct, it sounds like it, it was it was, and is successful um, You know, for a long time. You said it got to the point where you only needed to work 5 to 10 hours a week to just make it continue to flow at that point. Um, I would love for you to give our listeners, especially those that are aspiring entrepreneurs, at the beginning, what kind of hours were you putting into it?
1: Uh, ten to twelve every day. I did that probably for the first five years. Mm. Yeah, I worked ten to twelve hours easily. I was up at the crack of dawn. I'd get up, get dressed. Uh, even though I didn't have to leave the house, I would get up, get dressed, go to my office, and grind it out. Mm-hmm. And um, so I built uh, my website to function like a consultant. Um, I would get the same questions over and over again about grants. Everybody everybody's has questions about grants, right? Ooh, they hear me say I'm a grant writer. Ooh, th- mm-hmm. that's the initial question. I need a grant, you know, but most people don't understand what grants are, right? So I built my website for people to go there to be able to ask those questions. I would. I created videos. This is be- even before my God. It's so easy to create videos now. Like back then, all we had was Camtasia and it took me hours to make these videos and edit them and put them on YouTube and upload them to my website. So I just basically created an Autobot of myself to answer all of the questions that people often ask me. Mm-hmm. to my website i had an automated scheduler i did free consultations one day a week you go on you book your appointments my coaching sessions, you booked you paid for them you booked your appointment and um those were automated uh, everything was automated and so um i did my own search engine optimization i wrote dozens of articles submitted them to the online um article um uh, uh websites um my keywords like I did everything myself everything was done manually um now in this stage as I'm scaling up grant source I'm delegating everything I'm not doing anything I'm delegating everything so um so yeah it that first 5 years was was grind time and then and then I went from probably 10 to 12 hours a day to I would say 50 to 60 hours a week to down to probably 40 at year five. And then maybe from after year seven, I was probably down to like 25 hours a week. So every two or three years, I was cutting my time down by, you know, five to 10 hours a week. So that by the time I got the cancer in 2018 or was diagnosed, I was working five to 10 hours a week. That was because I had um, contractors that were working for me. So I wasn't writing all of the grants; they were, and I was just at mm-hmm. work. Um, I had had some videos that I was paying for. You know how people are doing Patreon now. I was doing yep. that, um, and so yeah, it only it only required me to really be present um, for five to ten hours a week, and and you know my and I also need to say that my expenses are low. I have not had a car payment. You know, since twenty thirteen, uh, my mortgage is four hundred dollars, and that's including the taxes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my insurance, my health insurance, is eight hundred dollars a month. That's the that's the biggest bill that I have. So, all of my bills together is probably fifteen hundred dollars. I charge four hundred dollars an hour, so five Woo! hours, <laughs> <laughs> I can make everything I need. yes lord yes lord yes (laughs) but but
0: it took a grind to get there that's the important part i don't Mm -hmm. want people to think they could just go start i mean you can but you got to work to get there but now that is that's absolutely amazing um and and it sounds like it just it it all kind of worked out to where it got to that point where it was minimal effort for you because you had to you know go through that experience and i think i think it's pretty safe to say that everybody knows someone uh if not themselves that's had to deal with with cancer and i'm sure it was scary i'm sure it was hard on your body um I, i'll let you say as much or as little about that as you want
1: it was the most blessed experience i've ever had it <laughs> I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have the typical cancer experience. I had, um, it was a time for me to sit down and allow people, because I'm a giver. And so it allowed me the time to sit down and allow people to give back to me. That was the biggest thing that I took away. Um, Being down in Atlanta, all of my family was here in Dayton. You know, people weren't traveling back then. My family, they weren't traveling yet. So I often felt alone, like, you know, Separated from my family because we're really close. Mm -hmm. um, They weren't coming to see me. And I'm like, uh, you know, that was hurtful for me. But then when I got sick, everybody came. They came to my chemos. They came to my surgeries. Um, I didn't vomit one time. I didn't Mm -hmm. have sickness, not one time. I had the most amazing team of doctors. They were all women of color. Um mm-hmm. the surgeons, plastic surgeon, my breast surgeon was black from Spelman, graduated from Spelman. Um I had I'm a I'm a cannabis lover. It's where there's st- all parts of the plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the legal ones and the illegal ones. So I have baskets <laughs> of CBD and edibles, you know, those really um those really, you know, enhanced my healing process. I had an acupuncturist, um, the cancer treatment center that I was at. They gave us free um, massages every week. Wow.
0: The nurses
1: who did my chemo, set up my chemo. They were cute. They were black girls with cute glasses and fancy outfits. The view of the Atlanta skyline was amazing. Every, you know, every chemo. so. It was it was a time for me to by divine it was time for me to sit down and to allow my transformation to happen. Because now I appreciate life so much that I don't got time for the BS. And it's mm. because of the cancer, you know? And I found my hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. I just wore my hair like this back in the '90s, except it was a small afro, and I couldn't do nothing with it because all we had was that pink luster silk stuff. <laughs> I ain't seen pink luster <laughs> in so long. Whatever it's, called. I think it's called luster coat pink moisturizer yeah. stuff like that. I remember that. I was not yeah. it in so long. Yeah. So when my hair fell off, and I mean literally. That was probably the scariest thing they told me that by day when well, they told me 14 days my hair was probably gonna start falling out it happened probably by day 12 and some told me to go over to my girlfriend's house my husband was out of town go over to my girlfriend's house because you're gonna need some support and i went to wash my hair i stuck my hair up under the water And I put some soap on it and then I did like this and it came off like a hat. It just, a whole, like it just came off. And I'm like, oh my God. And I just started screaming. And she like had been through this with so many of her friends. She just came over and she just started washing my hair. And then at the end afterwards, it was just like, I just had like bald spot patches. Little strings like Honokum, like cartoons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was probably the most dramatic part of it. And um, I called one of my girlfriends who had had uh, the experience a couple years before. And she's just like, All right, meet me at um, the, a young lady, a hairstyle." She's like, Meet me there tomorrow at nine. We're going to shave you off. And then they shaved it. And I was bald for like, Better part of the year, probably like nine months. I had I walked around completely exposed and vulnerable in so many ways. Mm. Um oh my God. One other crazy thing was the first surgery, they removed all the breast tissue. They put these um prosthetics in to expand the skin so they can prepare the breast for the implants. Mm-hmm. Well, the first surgery, they didn't get all of the cancer. So they had to go back in and scrape the linings of my skin to get the cancer out. Well, in the process of doing that, they punctured the breast implant, the spacer. Oh, my God. So lo and behold, after I take the bandages off, one of my breasts is completely flat with this little little thing. And then one of them is full. So I had to go to my breast surgeon, my my um, my uh the plastic surgeon mm-hmm. every two weeks for them to stick a needle this long into my breast to inject it with the liquid so that my skin would not heal back together on top of this prosthetic thing. Wow. So that
0: was that. It, it was an interesting experience, I just have to say. <laughs> wow. I have to say that the the, the short hair absolutely works for you. Thank I, I have you. to say that. Um and it, it really comes off I don't know how I want to say this. The fact that you are able to appreciate that experience is Remarkable, I guess that's the word I want to use. It's just yeah. I, I, I didn't, I don't, I think, I hope I'm making sense. I, the people yeah, that yeah, listen, I appreciate
1: that. Yeah, the,
0: the people that listen to me and they they know what I'm trying to say, and I just can't effectively say it. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and, and you talked about being a giver. So you're working in, in, in nonprofit. You have to take a minute to you know go through everything that you're going through, and then now not only are you still, you've got the grant source kind of humming. But now you've got the uh the shop black biz uh right. directory. What what was your what was your motivation for that?
1: Um I volunteer at a local incubator, the Greater West Dayton Incubator. Um I just I went coming back here, I wanted to figure out how I could use my skill sets because I've helped raise before I got back here, I had helped my clients raise $18 million in Atlanta. And I've always said, what if I could do that for my people, meaning black people? Right, right. And so I was like, okay, now that I'm back, this town is so small compared to Atlanta, you know? Yes. Like, okay, well, what can I do here? It's like, I'm excited because it's a playground. And then I discovered the Greater West Day Incubator and the director there, she's a young black girl. She told me her vision, one to help black businesses. And I'm like, I'm with it. So I've been volunteering there. And so we created these um, business clinics twice a month where people just off the street, they come in and we help them with their businesses. And um, so from there, uh, I just interacted with so many of them and like, dang, don't nobody know about y'all. We need a phone book. You know, we need a directory for black businesses. And um, I was like, well, if ain't nobody else going to do it, I will. And that's what had happened. (laughs) (laughs) You know,
0: it's so funny because um i i follow uh Phil Lewis he's just a you know media guy um and i follow him on twitter and uh maybe 3 months ago he posted this link it was uh he's a detroit native and he posted this link of every it was every um black owned media company whether it was like a radio station or mm-hmm. uh, or you know a magazine something like that there was this directory that somebody had built for michigan there's just all okay. the black media owned in michigan and then i was literally just thinking about this nice. like maybe three days ago and again i did not know what shot black biz was gotcha. um but i was just thinking like man i wonder if there's like a directory for black businesses in detroit literally probably two three days ago while i was driving to work it was just in my head on the drive and so that's just funny that i'm interviewing you today to to find that out so you realize that there's a need uh for exposure and yeah. you say i'm just gonna just i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna yeah. get it started myself so how did you did you just kind of put together your how, how did you do it i just I had
1: already made a commitment to myself that I wanted to shop more with Black businesses, spend more of my money. I'm all about economic development, community dollar circulation. I know the importance of that. One of my master's degrees is urban planning. So I had already made the personal commitment. So when I would go to a Black business, i take out my phone and then promote them on my social media. And I'm like, this is actually kind of fun because I have been out of the tech space for so long. I'm like, I want to learn how to use my social media, make these videos. I see all these fancy videos. I want to learn how to do that. So I said, I'm going to let these people be my muse. And so I started it as an Instagram page. And I would just take people's content and repost it on the Shop Black Biz dating page. Got and it. then I created the highlights are the shopping categories. So they're bas- the highlights are basically just commercials, shopping categories, with commercials for all of the businesses that are on the Instagram that I could find. And uh, then I created the website and um, that's when in February I had the challenge. So to promote it, you know, it was list your business on Shop Black Biz Dayton. You know, we got a directory now, go on list your business. And um, I made it free until February 28th. It's no longer free. So now I'm going to charge um starting off $25 a year, which still isn't bad. Wow. So it'll cover the infrastructure, you know, because I want to make it affordable for people. But at the same time, you know, I funded the initial investment. So now it's going to have to start paying for itself. Mm-hmm. And Good. ultimately, you know, I see it as a replicable model that other small places can use uh, to start their own directories. And then also I see it as. A what I want to call it, um, a database, if you will, yeah, of black businesses because there are so many corporations with diversity initiatives, they're looking to do business with black people. Mm-hmm. So, we got them all right here, you know. Just come, one of um, the a young lady, she's a vegan chef locally, and uh, the Dayton Daily News contacted her. They said they found her in the directory. So, I want it to be a place where. People who are looking for black businesses to whether it be event planners or accountants or, you know, to fulfill their whatever diversity quotas they have. This is a place where you can come and find who you need.
0: Right. That's awesome. And, and it's so interesting because so for a long time, I worked in a wireless business. And, you know, towards the last uh, year to year and a half of my time working in a cell phone business we really made a focus on going after small business accounts mm-hmm. because i think the numbers like 80 percent of the businesses in the united states are a small business yeah and
1: um, please
0: yeah and, and there's so and there was just a lot of opportunity for us to use that to to find new sales opportunities right but yes those businesses exist for You know support and resources as well so you know having an opportunity to one thing i've been personally frustrated about for the last eh, two years or so that i've been thinking about is that i really want to see black businesses that that don't have anything to do with hair nails or food not criticizing what that is but we need to know more black doctors the the guest that i had last week um she's a black doctor and mm-hmm. i was telling her that she's the, the first black female doctor that i've ever met um gotcha. you know uh, th- that there's there's so much more that we can do besides you know feeding ourselves yeah. and, and and making ourselves look good there, there's so much more that we can do that i wish you saw more of it and so something like what you're doing yeah. It's an opportunity to highlight that. And you're just talking about just in in, in Dayton or the greater yeah. Dayton area essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Basically Greater Dayton area. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and... It's a surprise we have like we've got like a handful of black art galleries, black owned art galleries that people didn't wow. know about, you know. I mean, it's some of everybody, HVAC people. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Like you say. We don't. We only see the shea butter people, the food vendors. You know those typical, the entertainers. We only typically see those. But doing this directory, like we see that we can pretty much satisfy all of our needs in the community. We don't have to go outside of our community really to purchase anything.
0: Yeah, and and for me, you know, I'm big. Like I'm, I've got big energy against capitalism mm-hmm. <laughs> lately, a lot, and I just. I'll just say it. People that know me know this already. I hate the idea of shopping on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hate it. Because what you're talking about, how, how money circulates and things of that yeah. nature. And I just, man, once we just, if you just keep shopping at Amazon because it's easier, you keep shopping at Walmart because it's easier. And this is why we don't have, you know, locally owned grocery stores in the cities like we used to. Like, I think back to, you know, the area that I grew up in, in the city of Detroit, you know where th- there used to be local-owned grocery stores, and now they're Family Dollars and Dollar Generals. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's not yeah. a grocery store. That's a whole yeah. nother discussion. See, I'm, right. I, I'm right. on one tonight. I am right. on right. one tonight. Um, <laughs> um. So, you, ah, huh, do do you, do you want to? Yeah, you know, what was it like to deal with the um uh, with the situation with mom, if you don't mind me asking about that?
1: Um, my mom, she um she been getting high since crack came out, 1985. That's when mm. it started, right? That's
0: um, the epidemic period.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it grabbed hold of our family and it decimated, you know, our um family unit, like it I'm sure it did so many other black families, but my mom struggled with addiction from 1985 until the day she died. You know, she might've had a total of five years clean in between, not consecutively, but um, I would say aggregately. And um, yeah, she just, you know, probably thought, you know, I can handle it and I'll be okay. But she got, you know, everything is laced with fentanyl these days. And um, yeah. It killed her immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. So it was it was a Monday afternoon. She was supposed to come back here and help me with my screens, put my screens in from the tornado. Mm-hmm. And um, on Friday, I, somebody messaged me on Facebook. Like, somebody said, your mom died last night. And I'm like, what? You know? And yeah. yep. That's what happened, and she was in Cincinnati, which is an hour south from here, so I had to go down to Cincinnati and um, claim her body. They wouldn't let me see her because um, they said that um, they didn't want me to see it in the condition that it was in because we worked on her for like 45 minutes, and she had been in the coroner's office for almost 24 hours, so I didn't get to see her. and yeah, so I just arranged for it to be cremated and they bought her here. She in the living room on the tape. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Whew.
0: I I and and what when when did this happen?
1: That was 2020. No, 2019.
0: So this is in the middle Notice. of the cancer and just before COVID. And yep. so that so the last You know five years have been you know pretty challenging for you absolutely how do you how do you stay motivated how do you stay i gotta tell you you know the, the the energy that i'm getting from you has been all positive all joy um you don't look like what you've been through as 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 they say in church yeah um
1: i i'm a very spiritual person I believe all, you know, that Bible verse, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. I'm not a religious person. I've read the Bible from the first page to the last page. And I find so much wisdom in it. And that scripture there has been my one because I just feel like every every scenario experience I can learn from. And it's designed, I believe that it's designed to help me grow and become a better spirit, a better soul. And life happens, you know? And I'm learning, the cancer taught me to detach from expectations of people and things. And once I learn how to do that, I'm good. Like I'm okay with whatever happens. And I will always find the silver lining in it. And I will always find the blessing in it for my life. Um, my body, mind, and soul and spirit. Wow. Yeah.
0: I don't think I can add nothing to that. <laughs> I, I, I um Brittany, thank you again for the recommendation. Thank because you, I I I get it. Um so where can people find you? Follow you, get in contact with you? I know you've got the the shop black you you got the grant source. You I bet you probably got two or three other things that you might have cooking on the in the crock pot right now.
1: <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit. A little bit.
0: You tell me, um, you tell me what you want to plug and I'll have it in the show notes for the listeners.
1: I tell everybody to go to shop black bits day because that's really just where I'm focused right now. My grant source consulting.com website is still up. I just haven't used it in so many years. I'm in the process of um, rebranding okay. and creating a new website. I got somebody working on that right now. Shop Black Biz Dayton, B I Z Dayton, Dayton, D A Y T O N. And it's that. Okay, yep. Facebook. It's all my handles, no spaces. Just shop Black Biz Dayton. Got and on the website is shopblackbizdayton.com. And if anybody wants to launch a shop Black Biz or whatever the city name is, please let me know. I have um reserved because I know this thing is just going to blow up. I have reserved, I, got, I think I got Shop Black Biz Detroit too. <laughs> I got Shop Black Biz Atlanta, Shop Black Biz Chicago. Shop Black Biz, Las Vegas. And so I am envisioning this to be a replicable model now that the government has officially, uh, they, they have officially acknowledged that slavery existed through the development of the, um, through the passing of the Juneteenth holiday. Mm-hmm. We are going to see, we're already seeing a, I mean, an overflow an infinite amount of resources that are going to be given to Black people. And right now, it's coming in the form of business dollars, access to capital, where previously, our neighborhoods um, are weak, and our businesses are not competitive because we haven't been able to access capital. Mm -hmm. Um, So now that capital is being made available so i'm just encouraging as many people as possible to organize get your paperwork in order so you can get some of this money i love it
0: i love it and, and for those that are going through various situations whether it be health family business if you got to leave one one last thing to encourage them what 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 would you say
1: it would be self care is paramount. Choose yourself first. Put your life vest on before you try to put somebody else's life vest on. <laughs> self care. Love on yourself. Hug yourself every morning. Kiss your. Mm, mm, mm. This is me. <laughs> I used to go to the grocery store and, and I just be like, oh, it's your time. I love you so sure. much. <laughs> oh, yes. Goodness self-care, be gentle with yourself. There's so much going on in the world. You know, just, you know, limit the amount of negative self-talk, love yourself, be graceful with yourself, be gentle with yourself and trust yourself. Listen to your intuition, follow its guidance because it will lead you to the best life that you can possibly have.
0: I ain't got nothing else, y'all. Y'all check the show notes, follow her. Follow us. If you're not following our show yet, what's happening on all platforms. Um, If you feel as though we've earned it, please leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get your podcast, and share the show with a friend. Please share this episode with a friend because this was amazing. Shaton, thank you. Thank you. So, so much. And uh, also, shout out to Fred. You guys have noticed by now that Fred is not here. It's just me kind of running solo. But um, if Fred was here, he would say, (laughs)
1: Fred I'll catch you on the next go (laughs) round Thank you